Hello, welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward, Sean Vergoven with me today as there is some, well, I say breaking, that happened a couple hours ago, breaking news regarding Michigan State basketball. We'll get to that in a second. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Check out the Facebook page, share all the content, like all the content, or tell me how I can do better, comment on the content, whatever you need to do. Um, so like I said, Sean is with me today. Sean, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, glad the season's almost over as of tonight and we can start looking forward to the, uh, 2022-2023 season. Yeah, well, I mean, we can also look forward to, uh, Kansas getting their title revoked too. So we'll just, uh, wait for that, um, as, uh. You know, when the NCAA finishes their investigation in about 15, 20 years. Um, but, yeah, big news out of East Lansing today. Dwayne Stevens is no longer a part of Michigan State. Uh, he has taken the head coaching job at Western Michigan. And there's really, when you look at it, there's just a lot of mixed reaction in regard to uh, him taking this new job. Yeah. I would say like from from my perspective, right? Looking uh looking at it is it's a win-win for Izzo and Stevens. Cuz I mean, at the end of the day, Stevens has been with Izzo for what? 20 plus years at this point. I mean, he needs Something to get out there and try he needs to get out there and try to be a head coach. Um a great program by any stretch of the imagination so it's a great opportunity for him to try to see what he can do without all that with all without the expectations um and see what see what he can do and how he can recruit and develop talent um Izzo gets to bring in some hopefully hopefully young blood to uh to help with the recruiting trail uh and then uh when you know five ten years whenever Izzo decides to retire uh, we'll have, you know, possibly him. Uh, and then I'm sure we'll talk about a couple other names as possible successors. Um, but it, you'll have, you'll have some coaches out there with actual head coaching experience that you can look at and go, okay, this guy's a great choice rather than bringing assistant who, you know, may or may not actually know how to recruit or coach at the collegiate level. Um, and you're betting the farm on them just because he attended your school. You actually have somebody who, that can actually follow through and perform. Yeah, and that that, that was one of the things that I uh, really uh, liked about Stevens getting this job is this can be a trial run. Absolutely. You, you know what I mean? It, he just completely bombs out at Western. Yeah, obviously things are a little bit different in regard to resources and how Alan Haller's uh, handling the program now and – stuff like that, but he will, if he completely bombs out, then you scratch him off your list. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and this year's a prove-it year for uh, Drew Valentine as well. And so if he completely bombs out, okay, you scratch him off your list. Uh, whoever you replace Izzo with, if it is a younger guy, then maybe you look that route of uh, Stevens and Valentine both end up bottoming out. And so yeah. I think you have 
So this opens up the door a little bit. It gives you two more options. Really, when you look at it, it's, uh, you know, coach to be named later and Dwayne Stevens as potential head coaching candidates. And obviously we thought Stevens would get an interview, but without that head coaching experience, if Valentine just completely falls out at Loyola, it kind of puts Stevens, uh, you know, back in the corner and in the back of the mind of pretty much everybody. Yeah. Well, and you can't – so that that's the big thing, right, is also for, for all the fans, I mean, you need to look at where Western Michigan is and what would be considered a success at Western Michigan, right? You cannot judge Dwayne Stevens by Tom Izzo, by what we expect from Tom Izzo, right? Yeah. That's not a thing. Like, okay, hey, you know, they went – well, what is there, 20, 40 games in the season? Hey, they About went 15 30. and 15, 30. So they went – you know, 15 and 15. All right, cool. That's a win at Western Michigan. Going 500 is a win. They were in the MAC championship. They were in the MAC championship title hunt until the last week of the season. All right, and then the wheels fell off. All right, that's still a win. You have to look at where the ex, where we, where they are as a program to truly judge what Wayne Steven, Dwayne Stevens is capable of as a head coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Now, Now, this is one question. This is the first, like, in-game strategic question that crossed my mind when, uh, when uh, this uh, hire got announced is, does this change the substitution pattern? I mean, you have to, you have to think it does, right? Because Steven, that was his, like, role, right, was he was in charge of the substitutions. Um, and I, I mean, we both see it from fans, commentators, uh, analysts, everybody across the board is all right, cool. You have Gabe Brown shooting 80% from the floor. Let's bench him for five minutes. And then he comes back and he's he's shooting 30% the rest of the game. You know, it's, we always seem to bench. It's it's Tyson Walker versus Duke. Tyson Walker went on that AO run by himself. I don't mean, I think Duke may have scored in there, but he scored eight in a row for Michigan State, and he got pulled. Instead of keeping Hogard and Walker out there, which has proven to be relatively successful last year and may be your starting one and two uh, this upcoming season, um, with uh, Christie sliding over to the three if Christie decides to return, um, there are rumors surrounding him. We're not going to get into that type of stuff. It's rumors right now. Um, but Tyson and Walker look like they're going to be the one and two. And so I, when you end up pulling Walker after he scores eight in a row for you, and I, this is a look that I'm never going to get out of my head, is Jaden Aiken's look of confusion as Walker was going to the bench. Yes. You saw it behind Tom Izzo. You know, it was a close-up shot of Izzo, but you could see Akins in the background of that Duke game. And that look of confusion made me realize, hey, you know what? This isn't just the fans realizing there's something up with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, to, you know, go back a couple years, I mean, you still have fans that love to harp on Izzo about why – uh, Triple J was on the bench and Ben was in versus uh, Syracuse, right? Like why you know he played the. You know what? You know? I actually I actually support that decision still to this day. You might be one of the only ones, my friend. 
and, the only ones that support that decision. And I will defend it. Um, long story short, uh, Jaron Jackson was Josh Langford was getting the ball in his hand with half a second left on the shot clock. Half a chuck stuff ended up going cold. Ben Carter was making better reads, but by then it was too late. That said, Jackson still should have been in the last two minutes. Yes. Um, given uh, some of the decisions Carter was making. I digress. Um, but, not to derail the conversation. Yeah. Not, yeah, the, this got derailed like uh, well, Michigan State against Syracuse. Um, but <laughs> – when you when when you look at Stevens' big role outside of the games, it was developing the bigs. And here here's the thing: Marcus Bingham didn't live up to his potential. Julius Marble, there's something there, but right now he's not where he needs to be. Um, Maddie Joey Sisco. House, Maddie Sissoko, there's something there. He's not where he should be at this point. Everyone was expecting him to be a complete stud this year. Um, when you look at those types of guys, Bingham, it took a lot longer to develop than people thought. At the same time, he's had successes. Nick Ward, Derek Nix, Goran Sutan. Um, here's one, here's one of my favorites in regard to development. And this development right here is where I think there's something in Stevens that is going to be missed, despite the fact he didn't do it with every player. You know, it's not walking through Michigan State. It's not like a point guard walking through Michigan State, um, you know, should not develop a shot or whatever. Which, by the way, I'm going to derail this conversation again. If A.J. Hogarth develops a jump shot, he's an All-American. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's on the ball defense, his size, his strength, his speed. His ability to make the pass, even though his simple fundamental passes aren't 100% accurate, you know, he'll throw them like six inches away from the shooting pocket. But his ability to break down a defense, just all of it, if he develops a jumper and just, just avoids that tum-tum Marin route, I'm going to be ecstatic because he may be the best player in America. Um, I, anyways, the, the one that really got me, though, as far as development – for uh, Biggs and East Lansing is a guy who people thought was going to redshirt, and then he ended up going pro and uh, in three years, and that's Xavier Tillman. That, yeah. that development from what he was to what he to what he was when he came in to what he was when he left East Lansing in a three-year window just absolutely floors me. And the, that's the thing that I think is going to be missed is because I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say like Paul Davis or anything like that because we all knew how highly recruited he was. Gordon Sutan was a bench player. You know, Nick Ward was a developmental project. Derek Nix, same thing. All of these guys were developmental projects um, that he ended up doing a good job of. And like I said, being a he still technically didn't even hit his stride this year. I think that – I think his ability his, – okay, what what's the theme in this draft? This, this is what I'm going to liken it to. It's, is the theme in this year's NFL draft? Ma, it's Malik Willis has the highest – or K, sorry, not Malik Willis, sorry. Kayvon Thibodeau has the high, highest ceiling of all these defensive ends. Yes. Right. There, there's just uh, – 
big flock of defensive ends that anyone has an opportunity to choose from. Kayvon Thibodeau has the highest ceiling, but his floor is lower than Trayvon Walker's. It's lower than from Florida State. It's lower than Aiden Hutchinson's. But his ceiling is so far beyond what any of those four um, can possibly comprehend. And I feel like Dwayne Stevens hit that ceiling occasionally, but at the same time, he kind of dragged it along the floors of like the Johnsons and the Hutchinsons. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's here's my like going down that route, right? Here's my thing. When you look at let's just take the last ten years, you look at the successes we've had with big men, right? It's mm-hmm. Jaron, Tillman, and then you could say Devontae Davis, right? Yeah, those Davis. are those are who those are the three successes we can say over the last ten years that we've had with big men. You right? know what? And then, and here's the thing is I'm gonna say, man. J- Jaron Jackson just fully didn't comprehend the game or whatever to the level to the system and stuff like that that is a wanted. So I'm not going to go in on him for underachieving in full. But Deontay Davis sucked. <laughs> like, it, it's hard I mean, to label him a success. Well, when you, because if you take Deontay Davis out and you take Jaron and you take Jaron Jackson out, that means out of the past 10 years, Dwayne Stevens has developed one big, one, and that's Tillman. And how much of that is, and this is where, when you have, when it boils down to one, how much of that is, okay, this dude, this one dude is, you know, he was already a father by the time he came to MSU. So he's already mature. Exactly. Plus he's playing with the best point guard that we've had since Mateen in Cassius Winston, who could dish him the ball like nobody's business. How much of that is Dwayne Stevens and how much Connor Cook, 2004, 13 inheriting like just making great plays and because he has a great he has a great supporting staff around him and he's a mature dude right versus a Kirk Cousins who comes in there's not really a ton of supporting staff because but he he raises the level of everybody around him you know what I mean does that make sense yeah like yeah but I mean to be fair I think Connor Cook raised the level of everyone around him because you uh, absolutely had under Maxwell yeah um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we could get into that in football season, but yo, yeah, that can be a topic of conversation. You know, where's Peyton Thorne going to end up in the Connor Cook and uh, in the Connor Cook and Kirk Cousins conversation? But Calling it right he, now, second, second, over. Uh, he's going to be second. Uh, so if you're talking purely stats, it'll be Cook. It'll be Cook Thorne Cousins. Um, but if you're talking leadership, it's going to be Cousins, Cousins, Thorne, Cook. I, I like that. If you can get the best of both worlds out of those two. Thorne. Yeah. Anyways, God, this show just completely got off the rails. Oh. You got me on, man. I don't stay on the rails. I'm like a Mario <laughs> go-kart over here. Rainbow Road. I was just going to say stupid Rainbow Road. But, uh... <laughs> But yeah, I I, I I guess you're kind. Of, I guess you're right with that. And one of the things that I think kind of changed in regard to the frequency of which these guys were developed, um, in regard to the big, it's just the style of play that the bigs need to take over. Because shooting guards are, I mean, there's obviously a lot more one-on-one in today's game. But shooting guards are still doing the same thing. 
Small forwards are still kind of doing the same thing. Point guards are still doing the same thing. Because if you look at, like I said, A.J. Hogarth, who is Michigan State's current point guard, who looks really, really good. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of Mateen Cleaves. You yeah. know, there, there's obviously discrepancies. Mateen Cleaves was better help side defense. Um, Hogarth's better on the ball defense. Uh, Cleaves is a better shooter. Both kind of reluctant shooters. Um, both want to be a floor general. Um, Cleves, you, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. There's yeah. little differences here. Edges to Mateen. Edges to Hogarth. And I'm not saying that Hogarth's on that level yet. Um, but when you look at it, it's the same type of stuff being done 20 years ago. Dwayne Seas yeah. has been in Lansing about 20 years. Bigs are doing things completely different. And when you look at that, I wonder if that has to do with the lack of impact that Stevens has had ultimately building his bigs. And, Sean, no disrespect to you, uh, you, you weren't my first phone call today or yeah. first text in regard to doing this because – I do want to get Anthony Ianni on at some point to actually talk about his development yeah. bigs and stuff like that. Um, so I reached I out to him for, him first, yeah. but he's obviously because I mean, he just got back from uh, Golden State to uh, yep. spend time with Draymond Green, autism awareness, and that's um, awesome doing some big things out there. So he he needed a rest day. So. So he's on load. So AI's on load management right now. So we ended up with Sean. It's like uh, the Pistons benching Kate Cunningham for Killian Hayes trying to tank. Um, oof. <laughs> oof. I mean, you're not wrong, but oof. Hey, to be fair, Killian <laughs> Hayes completely balled out the other day. So hey, I mean, we're getting that. You know, Jeremy, well. Jeremy Lin's still getting paid by the NBA. So you know, I'll, I'll take it. Maybe right in the pine, but I'll take it. Yeah, it works. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We'll we'll pay you. We'll pay even though you were our secondary option. They will pay you the same as what we normally do. Um, hey, sweet, which is absolutely nothing. I was like league minimum. Yeah, it's podcast um, minimum. Yeah, but no, I think I think overall, when you when you look at it, I I think you kind of you touched on it because you're like you you mentioned okay, hey, the most of the game has stayed the same for the last 20 years except the bigs. The bigs have really developed in their own. And I mean, if you look at it over the past what, 10 to 15 years, we've had to have bigs that go up against Frank Kaminsky, Luka Garza, Kofi Cockburn, um uh the the way Wag- to put the emphasis on the CK there. Um, yeah, that is his name. Um, yeah, Dickinson. And, yeah, Dickinson, the, the 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 dude before him, uh was it Wagner? Yeah, Wagner, Teske. Like they, these bigs that are going, that our centers are going up against now. I mean, they're not Shaq. Don't get me wrong. I I think Shaq is probably like one of the greatest players in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> but Shaq was, you know, three feet in, he was unstoppable. But you've got Luca Garza jacking up threes at an unbelievable rate. Frank Kaminsky winning National Player of the Year as a five. Like, Stretch five, I mean, yeah, yeah. This isn't this isn't your hey. Frank you know, Kaminsky was an advanced uh, version of a very very advanced version of AJ Granger. <laughs> yeah, well, and so you, I mean, but if you look at it right, th- this isn't the day of oh hey Yao Ming, you're eight feet tall, go stand in there, and go toe to toe with Shaq. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll just stand there and block everything. 
these guys are expected to be able to, you know, put in baskets from all over the floor. I mean, you look at what Gabe Brown was able to do from the three. Now, granted, it wasn't as consistent as we would have liked, but I mean, he was still a deep threat. I mean, I'll argue that he was a he was more of a deep threat than Tum Tum was. And, oh, yeah. you know, with when you have the five that, all right, cool, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this pick and roll and I'm not going to run to the basket. I'm going to run to this. I'm going to run to the weak side floor and hit this three. That changes the defensive game plan across the board. And that's what we've lacked outside of, I mean, what? Who have we had that was even on the, like, comparable to those guys? I mean, Tillman was great. Don't get me wrong. And he was so, he was a solid shooter all around. But he wasn't on that level. But he's probably the closest we've had in 15 years of somebody that can truly change the, change the defensive game plan for the flo- on the floor. Yeah, I think 15 years. I don't know. Eh, you're a couple years off because uh, Sutan was uh, that guy, I think. But, other, yeah, you're, I think you're exactly right. You know, the, the game has changed. It's something – and even Tillman took, you know, two and a half years to develop in regard to his shot. And so it's just interesting to see what that's like. Obviously, Julius Marble um, – We'll see how quickly he benefits, but I he's he's one of those guys like Hogard I think can really break through this year, and so yeah. I'm curious to see that development without Dwayne Stevens, uh, right there. Maybe Sissoko, the talent is there. He he started playing well at the end of the year, um, but he's still and I feel like he started to live up to that expectation a little bit. But when you saw that it was winning time, he he wasn't in the game. Yeah, and, like he he didn't even play. He he didn't play against Duke because for as bad as Marble got beat on that elevator screen uh, where the dude just slipped uh, right before halftime, as bad as uh, Marble got beat on that, Suzoko's not not a guy you can have in those situations. Like you said, defending the outside. Um, and so yeah, I I'm curious to see the development of the bigs. Um, because. I feel like both of those guys have a real opportunity to break through. Um, I think Malik Hall is going to get thrown in there a little bit because, you know, he's working with fours and fives. Yeah. And so, well, obviously, so- obviously he needs to develop um, more of a, like you said, the style, like we were both saying, the style of the game, a guard-oriented play as a four-man. Yeah. Well, so part of, part of what, like, so – if you if you don't have a five that can do what we need to do to like really kind of change the game plan, you need one and pardon the language that isn't gonna be pushed around. They're not gonna be bullied. You need someone that's gonna go in there, go toe to toe with Cockburn or Dickinson, and make them regret every time they go up for a shot. I, I you need them to feel like they're you, trying you, to run into see, a brick here's wall. Here's the thing: is is you need them to do that. Yeah, at the same time, you've got to be able to go outside you, and you get the guys like Kaminsky. You've got like, like I said, that's how the game's changed. Is yeah, you've but, got to be able to go outside. You you can't be like what you can't be like Dickinson. Really, when you look at it, you can't be like Hunter Dickinson going out there. Um, in uh, the first game against Michigan State trying to defend this pick and roll and just getting dragged out into no man's land one-on-one yeah. with your guards. You you can't have that happen. 
And so that was something that I feel like you had one or the other from Michigan State. And I think Stevens was really good at finding people's strong points and getting them to stick with it. But the other aspects of the game, the being a complete player, being that guy who can come from anywhere, who can kind of play every type of position, you know, positionless basketball, the Draymond Green effect, if you will, speaking to guys that Stevens did a fantastic job developing. Yes, he did. Like those, those types of guys we you need to see more of. And I don't know if it's just the build and the style of Tillman that was able to match him with it, or I don't know if it was Steven seeing something in Tillman that reminded him of Green and turned him into that player in a matter of three years. And that's going to be um, something to watch moving forward. But, yeah, like I said, man, we're still going to try to get AI on this to talk about that. Um, oh, yeah, he's ten times smarter than I am about basketball. Like, I mean, just in general, too. I, so. I feel tense. I feel tense and insult to uh, AI about that. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not, probably not wrong because I mean, let, let's be honest. AI AI probably knows like a hundred times more than I do, and that's probably a tenth of what Izzo knows, and that doesn't even yeah. include everything he's forgotten. So, I mean, I can sit here and criticize a Hall of Fame coach all day and say, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this?" And he's going to spout off something that's way beyond my level, and I'm just going to look like an idiot. So, I mean, at I the end of the day, comprehend this. Yeah. At the end of the day, I trust I so I'll I'll finish with this and I'll let you I'll let you sign off. At the end of the day, I trust Izzo. But if there is one thing that I could change about the way Tom Izzo runs his program, it would be the way he recruits. Like you saw it with Shasevsky, you you've seen it across the board. You're not it's not a complete change. Like we're not just we're not going the capillary route of, hey, I want 12 one and duns every season and I'll rebuild my team every season because that's not what Tom Izzo is. But you yeah. need more You need more of the Miles Bridges, the Jaron Jacksons, those one or two guys you can land every season where you're like, all right, I've got, I've got my Cassius, I've got my Xavier, you know, let me, let me bring in Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson for one year to fill this hole of what we lack. And that's what I think needs to be addressed with whoever Tom hires to fill the, the vacancy by Stevens is somebody that can come in, really speak to those, those young players on how Izzo at Mich- and Michigan State are going to get them to the NBA. Look at what Tucker's done with the, with the football team. I mean, he has got, he has got these young kids that, have asked, that are going to go to the NFL thinking Michigan State is going to be the answer on how to get them there. Tom Izzo yeah. needs that. And with the changing of the guard right now with, you know, uh, Coach, Boheim, K uh, Coach K, uh, Roy Williams. I mean, you've got, you've got the old guard. This is his time. He can go on a good two, you know, one to two year back-to-back national championship and then go out on a high note because the, the new crop of the new crop of guys, they're not, they don't have the, Oh, I'm a hall of fame coach that, you know, Izzo and K and Boheim have. They are, you know, they're try- they're still trying to prove themselves. And, I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Look at – I forget the guy's name from UNC. I think it's Morris something. Um, I mean, he's he's coming first season, making waves Davis. in the national title game. Hubert Davis. Davis. Yeah. But he's, he's come in, you know, first season, making waves. 
this like the old guard is going away and this it is now or never Tom Izzo has maybe two to three years before before we see the like him you know bow out uh I think talking to people and no, nobody inside just fans in general the prevailing thought thought theory, thought theory here is that when Tom uh when Steven graduates Tom's gonna hang it up so you know when Steven Izzo graduates that'll be when Tom retires because at that point the kids are out of college I mean he's been he'll have been a coach for what 26 years 27 years at that point yeah so you know, it, he's got time, but I mean, that time's quickly running out and we need somebody that can close those one and dones. Well, 27 years as of right now. Yeah. It's going to be close to 31 years when baby yeah. is done. So yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to watch. You know, we'll, we'll keep you up on that. Like I said, we'll still try to get AI on uh, and talk about this weekend. Now, uh, spend time with uh, his former teammate and, uh, ringing the bell at the Warriors game. And then we'll, uh, you know, talk about some of the draft stuff coming up. We'll talk about any other news regarding, you know, if Chrissy makes a decision to return, um, you know, regarding, you know, Joey Hauser's got a decision we haven't heard about yet, too. So yep. we'll, we'll talk about all that. We'll get you uh, psyched up for the spring game as well. Uh, you can go back and listen to my conversation with Jay Green about that. Like I said, Apple Podcasts um, and uh, Anchor and spotify so you can go listen to the show there as well thank you sean for coming on always a pleasure Tyler hayward this is the trouble with the snap